0: It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. You're tuned into Christian Questions. Join the conversation now, on air or online at ChristianQuestions.com and download our app by searching for Christian Questions Radio. Here's Rick and Jonathan.
1: Bernard Metzler once said, When you forgive, you in no way change the past, but you sure do change the future. Good evening, I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary, as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective.
2: And I'm Jonathan, and that different perspective has its basis in three things. Godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, always done in a politically free zone.
1: Folks, thanks for joining us this evening. This is a caller call-in format. We are caller-friendly So let's get started. Jonathan, what's happening? What's going on? Good evening. How are you? Tell me something good.
2: (laughs) I'm doing great, Rick. And uh, we have a very interesting uh, question for this evening. And the question is Does God really forgive me? And our theme text is found in Psalms 103, verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious
1: slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. So it's about forgiveness tonight. And the bottom line is, look, we we all do wrong. We all hurt other people. Sometimes the hurt we deliver is the result of oversight, ignorance, or immaturity, or careless words and actions, or sloppy and selfish thinking. We hurt someone, but we don't really mean it. Sometimes the hurt we deliver is a result of anger or vengeance or jealousy, and we absolutely mean to create havoc and turmoil. Either way, we do hurt others, and we therefore do need forgiveness. So, how do we receive forgiveness from others? And especially, how do we receive forgiveness from God? What do we have to do or say or think for forgiveness to take hold? How can we truly know that we are forgiven? And finally, is forgiveness really worth the effort? So, Jonathan, this evening, it's about forgiveness um, in a very broad way. We're going to be looking at a lot of different aspects of forgiveness as we talk about it uh, tonight.
2: Well, Rick, it's important. Everyone has to deal with this uh, because we all make mistakes. And so this is really a
1: personal uh, conversation. It, it is. We all need forgiveness, and we all need to be forgiving. Yeah, and sometimes that's harder. Yeah, you're right. You are absolutely <laughs> right. So let's get started. Uh, because this is a serious subject, want to get started on a lighter note. And uh, this, uh, this tune that you're going to hear actually hails back several years to when my kids were small, and they used to watch Sesame Street. Okay. And so uh, that's pretty much all I'm going to say, except for take it away, Big Bird.
3: Aw, Captain Vegetable, it's really not that bad. Listen. I've a special secret children ought to know.
1: It's about the little mistakes you make as you begin to grow. If you make a mistake, you shouldn't start to cry. Mistakes are not so
3: bad, and here is why. Everyone makes mistakes, so yes they do Your sister and your brother and your dad and mother too Big people, small people, matter of fact, all people Everyone makes mistakes, so why can't you? Ooh.
1: So, Big Bird says, everyone makes mistakes, so why can't you? And it's a nice that, way to... St- that is a
2: light note to <laughs> yeah, start yes off Yes, it on. is.
1: Yes, it is. And it's for children. And and it's a good reminder, though, that, look, we're all imperfect. We are all subject to saying the wrong things, doing the wrong things, thinking the wrong things, acting the wrong way. And we are all subject to hurting one another. So what do you do with that? How does forgiveness play into all of this? So to do that, to to go through that, we want to look at, throughout the program, Psalm uh, chapter 103 Verses eight to fourteen, because these are wonderful verses about god 's forgiveness, but they also give us a sensibility to what true forgiveness is for us to forgive one another as well and to be forgiven so we're going to use those verses as a basis for our conversation this evening we 're going to take them you know piecemeal throughout the program and then add lots and lots more and so, as we get started with this, Jonathan. One of the things, one of the the the, the bases that we're going to work with is that forgiveness, to be able to be forgiving, to be able to be forgiven, is a maturing process. Okay. Most of us are not just naturally going to be forgiving or l- know how to accept forgiveness. You're right, Rick. You're right. So we have to grow into that. And I really believe that Psalm 103... Uh, Verses 8 through 14 is going to help us do that. So, so Jonathan, let's just start with Psalm 103, verse 8.
2: The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness.
1: Okay, so with each each time we look at Psalm 103, we're going to look at the maturing process of forgiveness. First, we're going to always look at God's example, which these verses are about. Then we're going to look at those of us who are in a position to be forgiving, and then we're going to look at those of us who are in a position who need forgiveness. So, so Jonathan, take us to God's example as far as Psalm 103.8, the verse you just read, goes.
2: Well, first, Rick, God by nature is compassionate, patient, and loving.
1: Now, that's a great example. Yes. That's a high and lofty example, and when you think of the words compassionate, patient, and loving, they are they are full of, you know what they are? They are spiritual comfort food. They are. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they are. When you know that somebody is going to be compassionate and patient and loving, that's emotional comfort food. It, it gives you a sense of, okay, I can work with this. So that's the example God gives us. Now God doesn't need to mature. He's been there for ages upon ages and eternity upon eternity. But what about us? What about those of us who need to do the forgiving?
2: We who are in a position to forgive must strive for compassion, patience, and love.
1: So the key word there is strive. So when you're striving for something, it means you don't necessarily already have it. No, that's correct. And if you're striving for something, it means that you know there's probably a struggle involved. Sure,
2: absolutely. These are godly qualities that we want to put on ourselves.
1: Right. And so you have to strive. You have to reach. You have to try really hard to get there. Okay. What about those who need forgiveness?
2: We who are in a position to receive forgiveness must trust in compassion, patience, and love.
1: So while the person who should be learning to forgive is striving, the person who maybe did the wrong, they're, they're in a different place. They're on a different page, so to speak. They have to learn to trust. And right. what do they need to trust?
2: Compassion, patience, and love, just like the other, actually.
1: Because oftentimes when we do wrong to someone else, we sometimes feel like, well, there's no, you know, I, I was so wrong, I was so bad that there's no forgiving me. And so you need to learn how to trust. So so the fig- forgiver beg- starts with striving, and the forgivee, I don't think that's a word, but... <laughs> it will be tonight. The forgivee begins with trust. So so how does the, the Bible define forgiveness? There's actually four key New Testament words regarding forgiveness. They're all different, and they all uh, don't equally apply, if you will. So, so let's take a look at, at that.
2: Well, the first is Strong's number 630 means to forgive, uh, to free, relieve, release, dismiss, let die, pardon, and divorce.
1: All right. And the, the, an observation on that is it's broadly used but rarely translated as forgive. It's, it, it really has a sense of release, but not in the sense of forgiveness. We're going to get to that in a moment. Let's just go through a couple of verses that give us an illustration of that particular word.
2: Matthew twenty seven seventeen. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you? Barabbas? Or Jesus, who was called Christ. And so, and w- en- Rick, the word release is that word for forgive.
1: Okay. And again, it's not normally translated forgive. It, it really is normally translated release. You know, let go of. But there's a difference in the word that we'll use for forgiven in, in a moment. One more verse on that one.
2: Luke six thirty seven. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive. And ye shall be forgiven.
1: All right. So now that's interesting because that's where it is translated "forgive," and it does mean to release. So while it's not normally translated "forgive," occasionally it comes up that way, and you get that sense of release. And you know, it's interesting that word is used for divorce in some places. Yes. And 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 the idea is you are releasing that other party from your life. So it, it's kind of a a kind of a hard nosed way to look at forgiving. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll develop that a little bit more. So that's the first word. What's the next word?
2: Strong's number 5483, forgiving, which means favor, Rick.
1: All right, favor. Now, broadly used in the sense of having a big heart, but not used in the sense of taking away sin. So let, let's do an example of that one.
2: Philippians 1:29. 1, for unto you is given in behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. And Rick the word given means really
1: favor okay so for unto you it is a favor on behalf of Christ so right. it, so so it's not forgiving so much as it's something a favorable circumstance coming your way and in a sense forgiving creates favorable circumstances but you know it's a little bit of a stretch sometimes to, to look at that and say okay let's talk about forgiveness using this particular word because it doesn't fit primarily in that in that environment the next two words though we're going to spend a lot of time with because these are the two words that are clearly uh focused on what true forgiveness is and jonathan there's two different kinds of forgiveness here right
2: yes there are
1: okay so let's go through the first one and then the second one and then we're going to talk about some other things as we move through this first segment
2: all right. Well, Strong's number 859, forgiveness means freedom and pardon.
1: Okay. So, now this word, freedom and pardon, is never used in connection with us forgiving one another. And I think that's probably the most important point to remember on this particular word. Okay. It's only related to the pardon granted through Jesus' sacrifice. It's the only way it's used, and that's that's one of those things where you say, "Aha!" There's something special about that word and what that means. Because when you pardon somebody, what are you doing? You're
2: you're, forgiving them. You're releasing.
1: You are literally taking what sin there was and saying it doesn't exist anymore. It's never used in relation to our forgiving one another. Let's look at a verse that that uses that word for forgiveness.
2: Ephesians 1.7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace.
1: And obviously the blood of Jesus truly provides the forgiveness of sins. That pardon. Right. And pardon That's is such a powerful word. The it, it gives us that, that 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 sense. Now let's go to, and, I, and I'm kind of rushing through these so we can go back and, and sort of recap this because we've got um, for the rest of the, this segment. The last word, in this uh, list of words used for forgiveness in the New Testament is what?
2: Strong 863, 63, forgive to send forth away.
1: Okay. This word is very broadly used. It shows us God's forgiveness and human forgiveness. This is the word that most clearly reflects our forgiveness of one another, it most clearly reflects our responsibility. For forgiveness to one another. So so again, what does the word mean? What's the definition?
2: It means to send forth or away.
1: And there's a big difference between that and pardon. Yes, there is. Because when you send somebody away, it doesn't mean that whatever happened is gone. You're just sending them away from you. Versus pardon means you've got a big old sin eraser and you have just <laughs> erased it, you know, wiped it off and, 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 and all is clear. So, so, one example of this particular word before we go back through this uh, in relation to ma- the maturing process
2: matthew eighteen twenty one then Peter came and said to him, "Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive as many as seven times."
1: All right, so how often should I forgive? How often should I send the experience away from me? As often as seven times, and of course we know Jesus' answer is no. Seven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a whole lot more, and if you're counting, you're on the on the wrong, wrong track. <laughs> exactly. So, so we've got these four words, and, and this is important, and it's an introduction. But here's the thing. Forgiveness is personal. And, and Jonathan, you know, it, it, I've had over the last several weeks, a very hard personal experience with forgiveness. Um, I cannot get into details, um, but uh, I have a very good friend of mine. And, you know, people always say, oh, well, I've got this friend of mine and they're really talking about themselves. Well, I really am talking about a friend of mine, okay? So <laughs> okay. Just, just to got be it. clear. <laughs> very good friend of mine who was, who was deeply, deeply wounded and hurt by somebody very close to them. And I, 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 again, can't talk about the specifics. But I know this person really well. And they, their, their their, life has been turned inside out by what has happened. And it is such a hard experience. And they're kind of like walking around in shock because you don't know what to do. And we've, we talk about this over the last few weeks you know, periodically. And one time we were sitting down talking and this person said to me you know I don't know I I don't I don't think I don't think I can forgive them and I'm sitting there with them saying I know what you mean and I'm not sure if I was sitting where you are uh, with what happened to you if I would be ready to do that either and then I said but but let me explain to you what forgiveness really is and that and that's what this program is about so in putting the thoughts together for this for this evening This particular experience has been pounding away in my head as to how incredibly profound real forgiveness is. And that's why we want to really, really focus on it. So, Jonathan, let's go back to the maturing process. Because there were two key words. First of all, the example of God was what? What's God's example here?
2: God by nature is compassionate, patient, and loving.
1: And that is emotional comfort food when you have somebody compassionate, patient, and loving dealing with you and your transgressions or and your your wrongdoings, you feel a whole lot better. Oh, yes. Now, we, when we have been wronged, it's our job to focus on God's way, not ours, correct? Correct. Because our way generally is not necessarily forgiving, it's... Beat them over the head.
2: Retribution. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it would be. And, and you know, sometimes, Jonathan, you, you look at that and you say, well, you know, that person deserves retribution. They deserve something. And you know what? You're right. Sometimes they absolutely do. So what do we do with that? Well, we'll get to that later on in the program. But we have to focus on it to mature into a forgiving individual. We have to focus on God's compassion, patience, and love. Meanwhile, while we are striving to figure that out, and it's a struggle, it's like a tug-of-war, an emotional tug-of-war inside of yourself, the person in position needing forgiveness, what do they have to do?
2: Well, they have to strive. They have to, um, who are in the position to forgive must strive for compassion, patience.
1: Right, but the person needing forgiveness.
2: Oh, needing forgiveness. They need to trust uh, in compassion, patience, and love.
1: They need to have a sense that, okay... I did really, really wrong here, but there is a way that I can be forgiven. And so there is this, this incredible struggle that happens on both sides of an issue. Now sometimes a person who would be in line to be forgiven isn't even nearly close to that because maybe they're in denial. You know, Maybe they're never going to um, even admit that what they did was wrong. That's a little bit of a different story and we will address that as we go. Uh, but, but the point is, what we're laying out is, there is a growing up process where if you have done wrong to someone, and you feel like, I have done such wrong, there's no hope, you got to get a grip. You have to learn to trust. And the example you trust in is the emotional comfort comfort food of God's compassion, his patience, and his love. And we realize that his compassion, his patience, and his love can actually apply in our lives. So we have to grow into the whole forgiveness thing. So folks, if you have a thought, we're almost ready for a break here, but if you have a thought, we can line you up for the next segment. It's 866 toll free, Eight six six nine eight five four all We are live Monday evenings from 8 to 10 Eastern, and that means we're on right now.
2: Christian Questions, a voice of reason in a world that's lost its way. Keep in touch at ChristianQuestions.com.
1: So we are talking about the importance, the incredible, deep, life-changing, profound importance of applying forgiveness in our lives. And one of the key things that we have thus far is the fact that forgiveness is not when we go to forgive others, it's not the way God forgives, it is different.
2: This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject is, Does God Really Forgive Me? Coming up, is there a difference between how God forgives and how we forgive? That's next.
0: You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan.
2: Welcome back. Our subject for today, Does God Really Forgive Me? We're live Monday evening from 8 to 10 Eastern, and that means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866 985 all. Or you can message us on your app. And if you'd like to write to us, you can write us at Christian Questions, P.O. Box 1837, New London, Connecticut, 06320.
1: So, Jonathan, we're talking about forgiveness and we're trying to put it into uh, a clear perspective that it is a process. And for us, for we who are imperfect, to forgive or to be forgiven, we have to grow up into either side of that. And it's not an easy thing.
2: It's not easy.
1: So we're using Psalm 103 as an example. It gives us an example of God's way, and we take the principles of God's way, and we apply them to ourselves. So Psalm 103, verse 9 is, is up next as we talk about, is there a difference between how God forgives and how we forgive? He will not
2: always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever.
1: Okay, so it gives you a sense that there is a striving going on and there is an anger going on, but it's terminal. So, so how do we sum up God's position in relation to forgiveness for, for those of us who are looking to Him?
2: Well, Rick, God by nature allows us to grapple with Him, to struggle with and against His principles. But we'll come to a point of firmly ending the struggle with righteousness and peace.
1: So God allows us to fight with him. And that's kind of an interesting thing. He allows the fight. He allows the rebellion. He allows it to play itself out because he understands and he knows that there's a bigger lesson. You know, if God was just, no, you can't, there's no sense of, well, why not? And the experience of sin has to have its fruition. So God, by nature... Allows this because his plan says it's only for a period of time, and that's a beautiful thing it is <laughs> that's a good thing yeah and it and it's a very encouraging thing that the grappling and the fighting with and against him is going to come to an end, so it
2: reminds me of Jacob uh wrestling that angel yeah,
1: right right. <laughs>
2: He had a struggle for, for the promise.
1: And I, the angel, now look, the angel could have flattened him in a second.
2: <laughs> could
1: have. But the angel allowed him to struggle, what? He he did it like all night, right?
2: Yeah, all night.
1: And finally, the angel dislocates his hip. Jacob never walked the same again. He's limped. yeah. Yeah, but he had a new name as a result. So it really was a powerful example of our struggling. So... We who, again, are in a position to, to, that where we should forgive somebody, we've got to mature. So how do we take this principle of God allowing us to grapple with him and so forth and apply it to ourselves in, in maturing into forgiveness?
2: We who are in a position to forgive must accept that in this time of grappling between sin and righteousness, we must extend mercy, knowing that God will soon end the struggle.
1: So if you look at God's will and God's way and you say, okay, this is all temporary, God has a plan, I should be merciful like God. Right. That's not easy. That, yes. that, that, that takes growing into. So that's for those of us who are in a position that we you know, ought to be forgiving. What about those of us who are in, a, in, in the position that we've done the wrong and we need to be forgiven?
2: We who are in a position to receive forgiveness must grapple to accept forgiveness that we feel that we do not deserve because we understand that it is a godly practice and picture of God's eventual outcome.
1: So if you have done the wrong and you are looking at yourself, and and Jonathan, for people who have a conscience, now this, you know, everybody really doesn't, but for people who have a conscience, when they have done wrong to someone else, it really has the ability to destroy them, to to make them feel so bad and so down and so low because of what they've done. And in this case, the, 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 the growth, the maturity comes through grappling with the fact that I really, really messed up. But God understands mess up and God's plan has an end to all of this. And it's a godly principle to accept the end if the forgiveness is offered.
2: Uh, that, that's tough, Rick, but you're right. It takes maturity and it, it, it takes practice.
1: And, and generally it takes a lot of time. Yes. It, it takes oh. a lot of time.
2: So, now, Rick, uh, I was thinking of a question on this subject. Uh, I was uh, studying with Jewel this subject, and we were thinking this question. Can you not trust someone and still forgive them? <laughs> or is it really being forgiving if there's no trust?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think that what we want to do with that question is sort of carry it as we go. But let, let's give a, a basic answer because um, it, it's, an important, it's an important perspective. There are What we will find, and we're really not developing this in this program, so I'm glad you asked that particular question. What we find is there's actually two levels of forgiveness. One is kind of family forgiveness. When when you have someone in your family who knows better, it could be a spiritual family or or, or an earthly physical family, Mm -hmm. you have an expectation of that individual because you have a relationship with them. You know them. You spend time with them. You build each other up on a normal, regular basis. And if they hurt you, there is an expectation that they are going to be repentant and so forth. And we're going to get into repentance later on. But what about somebody who is in the world around you that you don't have any great relationship with and you know they do a really bad thing to you and you don't trust them? Right. <laughs> because the expectation is not there, because the relationship is not there, we can still forgive even if we don't trust. You think, well, how do you do that? Well, it's a matter of understanding what forgiving actually really means. So we'll develop that. As we go, okay. So I' teasing you with an answer. Thank you very much. <laughs> all right. So, so you know, we're talking about God allowing the struggle to to continue. Let's let's look at God's forgiveness. Let's look at Hebrews nine twenty two.
2: And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission that is pardon.
1: Okay. So that's the word that doesn't apply to us, right? Right. Okay. We can't give pardon to one another.
2: Only Jesus' sacrifice.
1: Right, and, and that is a, um, th- that's a kind of a hint in terms of answering that question of yours. Is We are not supposed to pardon one another, but we are supposed to forgive one another. Big difference between the two. So, so how is it that God can remove our sins literally pardoning us? The thing is, Jonathan, a lot of people think that God, God is arbitrary. They put God's thought process just like ours. You know, we think of something and then we act on it. God, right. God isn't that way. It doesn't just like pop into his head one day. Oh, you know, I got this sinful world. Sinful world. Maybe I should develop a plan to, to rescue them. That's not the way God works. <laughs> God has foresight. God has wisdom. God is bigger in his thinking. And he's very, um, very determined, very intentional and all that he says, does, and thinks. So when there's pardon, it's because he has made the arrangements for pardon to become a legitimate process. How is that? God, through Jesus, satisfied justice. See, God's not, not arbitrary. He can't, he, God cannot just do something because he feels like it. God will do something because it's the right thing to do. Life for a life is justice. And so let's go to Luke 4, 16 to 21.
2: And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was the custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed.
1: So Jesus is reading this prophecy from Isaiah. And this is another place where that it says, he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. And what kind? What, what?
2: Yes, pardon. Yes.
1: So it's not just, okay, I'm opening the prison door, go out. It's saying, I'm opening the prison door, you are free. Wow, it's a full, no strings attached. Pardon an opportunity. The
2: lamb slain before the foundations of the world.
1: Right. It was. It was a plan, and it satisfied justice. And God is not arbitrary. And He says this is how forgiveness, pardon, is really going to work. So um, it's an opportunity to uh, go on and live without previous consequences of sin. And that's an amazing thing. When forgiven by God, we do undergo, or, or I'm sorry, do we? I just, this is a question, not a, not, a, not a comment. Do we undergo just an emotional change, or do we undergo an actual change? You know, being forgiven and forgiving should not be like New Year's resolutions.
2: Oh, I <laughs> Emotion, you think about it, and then you forget. Yeah, that that doesn't work, does it?
1: (laughs) Right, and again, God is not arbitrary when it comes to forgiveness, so that means we should not be arbitrary um, when it comes to forgiveness. It's a bigger thing than that. It's more than, okay, I forgive you. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is really understanding the idea of sending something away from you. And by by that, what we mean is the word actually means to release the experience from affecting your life. Okay, we're going to get back to that. We're going to come back to that several times throughout the program. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Monday evenings, evenings from 8 to 10 Eastern, and that means we're on right now.
2: Out from the dark ages and into the light of today, join us 24-7 at ChristianQuestions.com.
1: Jonathan, a quick comment came in from the app. This sounds like good parenting on God's part. And, you know, when you think about it...
2: That's a good comment. So,
1: we're going to give God an A-plus for parenting. (laughs) You know, but see, the thing is, that's where you learn good parenting, is you look at God's example and you look at his compassion, his love, and his kindness, and you say... When I grow up and be a parent, I want to be just like that. Strong and just, but compassionate, loving, and kind. Our forgiving attitude towards others can influence God's forgiveness towards us.
2: I like that, Rick.
1: That's important and that's scary. It is. It's scary because it puts responsibility of forgiveness on our own shoulders. So, so, Jonathan, we're going to go to... A series of sound bites for the rest of the program from Fox 25 Morning News in Boston several years ago. And they, they featured two stories of forgiveness. This first story is about, about a gentleman uh, named Mark who was, um, was actually hit by a drunk driver and he ended up losing his leg. So let's listen to this.
3: In a split second, your life can change forever. Maybe it's happened to you, maybe it hasn't. It has happened to Mark Cronin.
4: I remember driving the motorcycle, I remember, you know, the headlights coming at me and not having a chance to react and get out of the way quick enough, and, and I just remember blood pouring out of me and saying, you know, my leg, my leg.
3: The day after being struck by a drunk driver who was traveling the wrong way on the highway, Mark woke up in a
0: hospital bed.
4: I kept tapping down on my leg, I didn't know if it was gone or not. I couldn't speak because I had a tube in me, and then my wife finally let me know that my leg was gone.
1: Can you imagine that?
2: Oh, instantane, into, instantaneously, life changes.
1: Yeah, and life changes wow. in such a major and personal way that, and he didn't do anything wrong. This person was going the wrong way down the road. He did not have time to get out of the way, and he lost his leg as a result. What happens with that? Well, stay with us and, and find out. It's a very, very inspirational story. So, so. Jonathan, let's go to Matthew 6, 9-15, because we just said before that, that our forgiving attitude towards others can influence God's forgiveness towards us. Why do we say that? Well, because Jesus said that, and we tend to believe what he says.
2: Matthew 6, 9-15. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses.
1: So it says, forgive us our debts. And thats it's not that which we owe. It's not money, but it's our sins and transgressions committed that take us out of balance with God and with each other. This is applied to us as we apply it to others. So our responsibility to forgive really has a bearing on God forgiving us. Let's go to Matthew 18, 21 and 22.
2: Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and forgive him up to seven times? Jesus said to him, did I-, I did not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven.
1: So Jesus is saying, you've got to be willing and able to stay with the idea of forgiveness. And again, this is a maturing process. For the person in a position to forgive, what do they have to do at this point? They must accept. Accept that this is a time of grappling, and they've got to accept the grappling in their own heart so that they can do the right thing. And the person to be forgiven... Must grapple. They have have to. They have to struggle through it. They have to work through it because it is such a difficult thing to be forgiven, especially when you've done somebody wrong in a really, really big way.
2: This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this evening, does God really forgive? Coming up, are there sins that God just won't forgive? That's next.
0: listening to Christian questions see videos hear past shows and talk to us at christianquestions.com here's rick and jonathan
2: really forgive me we're live monday evening from 8 to 10 eastern and that means we're on right now join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255 that's 866 985 all. And you can now message us on your smartphone during the program, and we'll try to sh- share your comment on air.
1: All right, so lots of ways to uh, get a hold of us, and we love to hear from listeners. It really is a fun fun part of this whole process. So, so Jonathan, as we continue now, we're looking at um, the maturing process that we have to go through. If we are needing to forgive someone or if we are needing to be forgiven, there's two separate roads And how do you figure out how to walk that road? You look at the example of God's forgiveness and you take the principles and apply it to whatever the path is that you happen to be on. So let's go back to Psalm 103, verse 10, because it's all about God, it's all about the principles, and it's all about His example.
2: He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities.
1: All right, so now, you know, he was just the last verse. God was grappling and fighting, and his anger won't last forever. And now there's a tone change. He's not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. So what does that say about God uh, and, and his forgiveness toward us?
2: Well, Rick, God by nature is just and provides many ways of easing the pain of that justice. The law provided sacrifices as offerings for sin for Israel, and for Christianity, provides Christ prayer and supplication as an offering for sin for us.
1: So what we have is God is just, but provides ways of easing the pain of the justice. And there's, that's, there's a beautiful thing. It doesn't say that he's taking away the justice, but he eases the pain of the justice. That's his example. He doesn't reward us according to our iniquities, but justice is carried out. So, what do we do with that example of God's way of dealing with forgiveness if I'm the one who needs to learn to forgive someone else? How do I apply that to me?
2: Well, we who are in a position to forgive must realize that God is merciful in his justice. So, we must also be merciful when we
1: apply justice. So, what's the key word there? It's realize. We have to realize that, that he is merciful, and that's our example. Now, it doesn't say mercy without justice, does it? No, it doesn't. And that's the important thing. Our forgiveness of another doesn't release them from justice and consequences. It simply releases them from us. What if I'm the person who's in a position who needs to be forgiven? How do I take this, this example of God easing the pain of justice through mercy and apply it to me?
2: We who are in a position to be forgiven must learn that receiving the merciful justice of forgiveness is an opportunity to make our lives right again.
1: And that's the thing. You've got to learn. If you have done wrong and you know you've done wrong and, and someone is looking and willing to forgive, we, the the, the wrongdoer, have to look at it and say, okay, I've got to learn that the receiving of merciful justice, even though I feel like I don't deserve it, it is an opportunity to make my life right again.
2: And, that's and it. Rick, Go ahead. It, I, I see it as two different ways. Right with the other person right. and become more righteous because of learning from the mistake. So it's twofold.
1: It is, it is. And, and, and that is really getting onto the right path. And then you are more right with God as you're doing both of those things. And again, with my, my friend and the personal experience, part of this is there's a justice factor in what happened in this personal experience. And we, we have talked about dealing with the wrong that was done to this individual and how do you manage through the justice and not be angry because the justice should be done. It has to be done. And and the idea is to see it the way God sees it, to ease the pain of the justice because you let it go from your heart but allow the consequences, the just consequences to follow through. Let's go back to the soundbite Uh, The the story of Mark Cronin, the man who was riding his motorcycle, somebody, drunk driver, is going the wrong way down the highway, crashed into him, and he lost his leg. Let's hear what happens next.
4: I know you're sorry. I really do.
1: This is in the courtroom.
4: Turn that guy back, but we can't. I I lost my leg. My family lost a lot. And I know your family, a good family, lost a lot, too. What I do in my life is going to reflect on my three small children. So I I have forgiveness for you. And I, I do hope the best for you. And I wish there was something we could do. And I hope in the future that we can get together and maybe talk to young kids about the eels of drunk, drunk driving. People talk, oh, I could never, I could never. Until you're in a situation, you don't know what you can do and what you can't do. It made it easier for me knowing that she was sorry. It made it a heck of a lot easier for me to forgive. As long as I can still be here for my kids to... See him walk down the aisle and do everything. I will still be able to walk down the aisle with him and do all the stuff that I'm not going to be as active with him, but I'm still going to be there to see it anyway. That's huge for me. If this was my son or daughter, that she might have, I might have had a whole different attitude. I don't know. I, I don't know how I would react.
1: So he's being really honest there. He says, you know, if it was my son or daughter that it happened to, I'm not sure how I'd react. But for me, I have forgiveness for you. And he's looking at this woman who's sitting there in tears because... She was just wrong, and she just, she just did something that was completely, uh, completely unjust, un- unrighteous in every way, shape, and form, and it, it didn't bode well for her, and yet he had the ability and the capacity to be totally and utterly forgiving in that situation. Jonathan, did I lose you? Are you still there? Okay, okay. I I just hang on folks. Uh let's see what happened. Uh ad. And let's go to the phones. Looks like we have Julius from Connecticut online. Good evening, Julius. Welcome to Christian Questions. Good evening,
5: uh, Rick. Thank you for taking my question. Uh, uh will God forgive me. Yes, but uh you uh noted uh the answer yes, but you noted uh, Matthew 6:14 in that area uh, that uh And also, uh, cross-reference to Matthew 18 There's a parable near the end of chapter 18 about the the unforgiving servant or master, a a very powerful parable on on unforgiveness. That's Matthew at the end of Matthew 18, starting in verse 23. And uh, yes, God forgives, and the basis of uh, will we forgive others, uh, you know, it's conditional. God's forgiveness for us is conditional, but uh, my my uh, challenge with forgiveness, Rick and Jonathan, is where will I exercise execute justice? And I think you mentioned justice quite a bit. So that's my daily challenge. When when am I just? in, uh, you know, being forgiving. So I pray that God would help me to arrive at that point where I'm just and acceptable to Him. God bless. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Julius. Appreciate your, your call very much. Thanks. Thank you. Good night. So, um, you know, what what uh, what Julius is saying is that, you know, sometimes we have an experience that makes it very difficult for us um, to, to be able to manage the forgiveness because justice must be done. But let's remember, if we are the ones forgiving, we are sending the experience away from us and we are putting the experience in the hands of those who will, would execute justice. And we've got to let that happen without bearing down on it and, and, and putting our will upon it. Because once we put our will upon it, Jonathan, we, we lose the sense of real true justice. So uh, let's take a look at, at, at those who did that. Uh, let's take a look at the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees had just accused Jesus of casting out demons by the Prince of Demons. This is Matthew 12:31 and 32.
2: Therefore I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven, people, but blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit... It shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come.
1: Okay, so the the diaglot rendering of the mark three twenty nine account of of those verses is that, you know it says, has not forgiveness to the age, but is liable uh, uh, but liable is of the age lasting judgment. So in the age to come, such sins would have to be personally rectified. In other words, God doesn't remove the sin from them. They have to manage that sin because it was such a specific type of sin.
2: And Rick, that diaglot is a, a, a Greek word-for-word uh, word translation into right. English, and it's so accurate. Uh, I love that. But um, Rick, it is impossible for someone that is a Christian, uh, that is not a Christian, to have this eternal judgment against them right now, here and now. And First Peter 4.17 confirms this. It says... For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God.
1: And and here's the thing. The interesting thing about that is, and that next verse is going to give us a sense that those who are are true followers of Christ haven't added liability that they have to manage. There's no question about it. The interesting thing about the previous verse is that the Pharisees did have a liability of blaspheming against the Spirit, but not in the same way. And Jesus was saying, that sin is not going to just be removed from you. You're going to have to carry it and you're going to have to work your way back from it because you really did know better. So that's the kind of sin that you have to just plow through that its effects are not supposed to be removed. And that's pretty serious. And even more serious consequence is to the true Christian if they do that same type of thing. And that's Hebrews chapter 6 verses 4 to 6.
2: For in the case of those who have been once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have been made perfect of the Holy Spirit, partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then fall away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame.
1: Okay, so there are, um, first of all, it says, you know, once they have fallen away if they've had the spirit in their lives working in their lives in sense of spirit being begotten of the spirit being right. driven by the spirit and there's a difference Jonathan between having the effects of the spirit in your life and having the begettle of the spirit in your life
2: that's right okay. absolutely the begettle is following in Jesus footsteps and conforming yourself into the image of his dear son
1: and having the power of god working through your decision making within you. That's different than just the effects of the Spirit. It says if they've done all of these things and they've fallen away, it's impossible to renew them again. And you know some folks say well that word impossible means well it's, it's very very difficult. Well when you look at how else it's used especially in the book of Hebrews, it's the same word that says it's impossible for God to lie. It's the same word that says it's impossible to please God without faith. And those are both in the book of Hebrews. So it really is saying you can't go back on this. So there's a seriousness and there's look, to get to that point, we don't want to get people all worried like, oh no, is this is this where I'm heading? And the answer is probably not. Because there's a lot of things you have to do to, to, to put yourself in that position. So let's just go quickly go through what what are those things that we need to look out for?
2: Enlightenment and experience.
1: First of all, you have to have enlightenment. And that doesn't mean just a a, a you know, one of those moments where you knock yourself on the head and say, Wow, look at that. Enlightenment is the gift of God's Spirit dwelling in you, not helping you along. That's different. Dwelling in you.
2: And that was the second point. Oh, and the yeah. third is understanding of God's Word.
1: So it's not just the, the indwelling, but it's the sense that you have you, you, you're, you're, the eye, your eyes have been opened in a very, very special way. And what has to happen?
2: Abandoning all of these things and consequently, rejecting Jesus' ransom on your behalf,
1: and that's the key. It's the rejecting of the ransom of Jesus on your behalf. And Jonathan, I have a real hard time understanding how anybody can do that yes, if they've been too. down this road. Me too. Yeah. It just so it's a rare thing, but yes, there are sins that are not forgivable. Some of those end up in death, like what we're speaking of in a very in very rare cases. And in the case of the Pharisees, some of those are carried into the Day of Judgment. We talked about the Day of Judgment last week. And they are going to have to manage those sins through that Day of Judgment and really work to rectify the tremendous wrong that they did. You know, it's, so we've got to be really careful with, with the kinds of things that, that we're looking for. But again, for us to be forgiving or to be forgiven, there is a maturing process that we must go through. Now, for those of us who worry about, oh, what, you know, I don't want to commit that kind of sin. Well, let's take a look at a scripture that, that can help you not worry about it, okay? Because <laughs> this next scripture uh, prepares us for never having to worry about such an unforgivable sin. Ephesians four twenty-six to 32.
2: Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by which you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you.
1: And if we look at that and say, okay, this is the way I want to live my life, this is what's important to me, Jonathan, we don't worry about that other kind of thing. We focus on how do I mature into a forgiving and a forgiven person. That's the key here. And again, to, to, for, for the, the key words here, for those who are we, of us who need to forgive others, what's the key word?
2: Must realize.
1: Realize what?
2: That justice uh, can have mercy.
1: Right. That's the key. Justice does have mercy. God's justice has mercy. Those of us who need to be forgiven, what's the key word? We must learn. And what do we have to learn?
2: That this mercy translate into opportunity to begin anew.
1: And that's the beauty of it. In that soundbite that we just played, it was a matter of that individual, Mark, uh, who had lost his leg, he spoke, he he faced the person who took his leg from him for for no reason, for no good reason, and said, I have forgiveness for you. And it's my hope that someday you and I can get together and we can go talk to, to kids about the evils of drunk driving. You are going to jail right now. But I want to work with you so that we can take our collective tragedy and make it a positive experience for other people. That is the power of true, unadulterated forgiveness. So folks, as we wrap up this hour, we're trying to understand the process of growing up into forgiving and growing up into being forgiven. Both of those things require a lot of effort. There's a different pathway that we're on for each of those. And the only way we can grow through that pathway is understand the principles of how God forgives us. In the second hour, we're going to complete that process as it's shown to us in Psalm 103. So stay with us. We will be back after the next maybe three minutes or so. Jonathan and Rick and Christian questions. Does God really forgive me? Maybe the more important question is, do you forgive yourself? We'll be back soon. Think about it.
0: It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. You're tuned into Christian Questions. Join the conversation now, on air or online at ChristianQuestions.com and download our app by searching for Christian Questions Radio. Here's Rick and Jonathan.
1: Lewis Smedes once said, Forgiving does not erase the bitter past. A healed memory is not a deleted memory. Instead, Forgiving what we cannot forget creates a new way to remember. We change the memory of our past into a hope for our future. Good evening, I'm Rick. Welcome back. This is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. And Jonathan, we've got a very important subject on the table tonight.
2: We really do, Rick. And our question is, does God really forgive me? And our theme text is found in Psalms. Chapter 103, verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness.
1: So it's about forgiveness tonight. We're looking at a scriptural perspective on how to understand being forgiven and forgiving. Being forgiven one to another, being forgiven by God, and then learning to forgive others when they have wronged us. And oftentimes, Jonathan, in very, very serious ways. Um, so, so we've been looking at Psalm chapter 103, verses 8 through 14, as we're going through this program. And as we go through the verses, what we're seeing is principles of God's forgiveness. And we're taking those principles as we read them and saying, okay, this is how God does it. That means this is an example for how we should do it. Right. So there's the sense of learning how to forgive and learning how to be forgiven. So let's just quickly recap the three basic approaches to forgiveness that we touched on in the first hour.
2: Well, Rick, the forgiver must strive with their own emotions to find compassion, and the forgiven must trust, trust in the compassion and love shown.
1: So they're starting out in way different areas. The, The forgiver learns to strive to fight through their own emotions to find compassion, and the forgiven has to trust in that compassion. What else?
2: The forgiver must accept that the world is imperfect right now and offenses happen, and the forgiven must grapple with being, the ev- with being the evidence of those offenses.
1: Okay. Stuff happens in this world, and those who are in a position to forgive have to realize bad stuff just does happen. Those who need forgiveness re- must grapple with the fact that, yeah, and I'm a great example of bad stuff happening to somebody else. Look what I did. Mm-hmm. Third, third
2: point. The forgiver must realize that justice can have mercy and the forgiven must learn that this mercy translates into an opportunity to begin anew.
1: So there is th- these are the pathways to mature into a forgiving kind of life and a forgiven kind of life. And it really it Jonathan it really gets tested when something really bad happens in our lives.
2: It certainly does, Rick.
1: And i was I've been sharing an experience of a very close friend of mine who was very terribly, awfully wronged by somebody close to them in the last several weeks. And walking through that experience with them and talking about forgiveness and talking about what it means and most importantly what it doesn't mean because it's so hard to forgive when somebody has done something maliciously to you and they don't even seem to think that, they, you know, seem that they're sorry at all. As a matter of fact, they're laughing you know, all the way down the road. It's, it's really kind of a, a sad, sad thing. So we, we keep talking about, you know, being willing to forgive, being willing to forgive. Well, what about repentance? Doesn't that count for something? That's a good conversation. <laughs> well, let's have it, shall we? All right. All right, so let's go to Psalm 103, uh, verse 11. For
2: as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. And we know that word fear means revere.
1: Right. And to have great deep respect. So it's giving a sense that the heavens are so much higher and God's ways are so much higher. God's loving kindness is so much higher than ours. We can't even fathom it. So, So how does that describe God in his approach to forgiveness?
2: Well, Rick, God by nature is mighty and in his immeasurable might, we find a deep, and provable love for those who would be in harmony with him.
1: Okay, so he is mighty and this immeasurable might gives us a provable method of love It gives because it is so powerful, so big, so well thought out, so previously well thought out. So how do we take that, if I'm somebody who needs to learn to forgive, how do I apply that principle to my little life?
2: We who are in a position to forgive must determine to reflect his might and his love in our dealing
1: with his creation. You've got to learn to be determined to reflect God's might, God's love, because it's his creation.
2: And Rick, this reminds me of David and King Saul.
1: Yeah. Oh, good one. Yeah.
2: David says, I cannot harm God's anointed. Right. And we in this picture... Uh, if we apply it to ourselves, we don't want to harm god's children,
1: those of humanity in this world around us right now same principle right, and if they did wrong to us, doesn't mean we do wrong back, right It means we put the wrong away from us and justice should be served. There's no question that forgiveness doesn't take away justice; it takes our emotion out of the serving of justice. That's what forgiveness really does. So for the one who needs to be forgiven, the maturity process is what in relation to this, this principle of God's might and His loving kindness?
2: We who are in a position to be forgiven must accept that receiving the loving kindness of forgiveness is a God-honoring experience.
1: Wow! That's <laughs> profound. It that's is. Profound. It is. When you accept forgiveness, that honors God. And even when you don't feel like you're worthy of that forgiveness, accepting, accepting it is God-honoring because God is a forgiving God, and you're reflecting His character. You're allowing it to be reflected through someone else and upon you. That is powerful. That is. <laughs> that, awesome. That really changes things. So in the first hour, Jonathan, we were talking about a story uh, about a man who was um, hit by a car by a drunk driver, and he lost his leg and in the last soundbite in the in, in the courtroom he forgave her yes we're going to go to a different story same same fox uh, 25 morning news from boston a few years ago this is about a young lady named kylie now she was shot when she was 3 years old standing on her porch so let's just listen to this this story develop
3: kylie harriet's life changed just as quickly
1: I was on the porch with my sister, and then you could hear, like, sound like
3: firecrackers. But it wasn't the 4th of July. The gunshots that Kai heard were the result of an argument in a first floor apartment. A stray bullet hit the then three-year-old. Her mother, Tanya, recalls that night at the hospital. She was laying in, like, um, a trauma room. I looked at the x-ray, and, and, you know, I, I couldn't really read it, but I could see a bullet, it had severed her spinal cord 99.7%. That shot, fired by this man, left Kai paralyzed from the chest down.
1: All right, Jonathan, now, now here is where the, the rubber meets the road in a very different kind of way.
2: What heartache. Oh,
1: a how sad. A three-year-old girl is just standing on her front porch, and she gets hit by a stray bullet, and now she's paralyzed from the chest down. What do you do with that? you know how do you you get your arms around that happening to your child when all they're doing is 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 being a child they have nothing to do with the incident whatsoever and yet they are the the victim of of, of such a thing heartbreaking yet it is heartbreaking and it's a great example of how do you apply forgiveness in a just and yet merciful way so we're going to take that story and develop it through the, the rest of the program. But right now, let's go to the idea of, of of repentance. Because sometimes, Jonathan, repentance is really important, and frankly, sometimes it's not. And that sounds weird, so we're going to see if we can figure that out okay. <laughs> as we go. But, but the concept of repentance, there's actually three words for repentance in the New Testament. There's one, and then the other two are very, very similar to each other. So so just give us a rundown on, of the three words.
2: Um, three... Thir- 3,338 Strong's, to care afterwards, that is regret.
1: Okay, so that one is sort of standalone. These next two words are very similar.
2: And Strong's 3340 is to think differently or afterwards, that is reconsider, morally, feel, compunction.
1: And then the other word?
2: Strong's 3341, compunction by implication reversal.
1: What does compunction mean? I mean, come on. <laughs>
2: It's an uneasiness of mind due to feeling of remorse or guilt, a twinge of conscience.
1: So there, one of them is to care afterwards or to regret. The other words really give you a sense of, of a compunction, a reversal. Yes. So one is more emotional; the other is more action-oriented. Makes sense. And, and so, so we've got there, there's a Bible commentary, and frankly, I, I apologize; I don't remember which commentary I got this from that compares the two to two sets of words. So let's go through the, the feeling word first and then the action word second.
2: All right. Refers to an emotional change, has reference to particulars, nothing but regret, even amounting to remorse.
1: Okay. And now the word that, that implicates change? To,
2: to a change of choice, to the entire life, the reversal of moral purpose known as repentance.
1: So the idea is one of these words is, uh, and that sounds like a Sesame Street song. Do you remember that? One of these words is not like the other. One of these words is not the same. (laughs) (laughs) I remember. I don't know. Big Bird got me going on it. What can I tell you? (laughs) Uh, but, But the idea, Jonathan, is sometimes there's a sense of repentance, but it is just a feeling. And sometimes there is a sense of repentance, and it's a changing of your life. There's a major difference between those two. And you asked a question earlier in the program about, you know, how did you put it about trusting somebody or not trusting somebody? Do you, do you remember yes. how, how you put I, that?
2: I do remember. Can you not trust someone and still forgive them or is it really being forgiving if there is no trust?
1: Okay. Can you trust someone or can, can you forgive someone while you don't trust them? And in such a, such a situation, Jonathan, repentance may not even come into play because they may not care about what they did. And that experience with my friend, the person who was close to them doesn't care, does not care. And you yeah. look at that and you say, how can that be? And, and and so what do you do with the idea of forgiveness? So l- let's lay out scripturally how these two kinds of repentance actually work or maybe don't work. Matthew 27 3 is that first emotional type uh, repentance, that, that feeling.
2: Then Judas, who had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders.
1: Okay, so Judas repented. He had a bad feeling afterwards.
2: He regretted it.
1: Right. Now, regret is good, but it is not complete. No, it's not. Regret just simply says, ah, that didn't go the way I, I really wanted it to. You know, it's really too bad about it. Now, there's another example in, in a parable uh, that gives us a sense of that sort of casual sense of looking back and saying, I ah, probably shouldn't have done that. Uh, Mark, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 21, 28 and 29.
2: What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later, he changed his mind and went. And the, Rick, the words changed his mind is that word for repent.
1: And doesn't that sound like a typical son? Son, I've got chores for you to do. Nah, I'm not going to do it. And then you think, oh, all right, I'll do it. Yep. That gives you a sense of the casualness of regret. Now, again, regret can be a tool. But if you just stop with regret, you're not really repenting. And if we have an experience with, let, let's say I have done wrong to someone that I know, know well, they have every right to expect me to repent if, I, if I'm a decent individual. Because if I've done wrong to them and, and it's pointed out to me, I should be able to see that and say, wow, I really did that? And not feel like, oh, well, you know, of kind of too late to f- change that, so we'll all get over it and move on. You know, I feel really bad. But, see, that's not it. That's not repentance. Repentance is in this next word, the next verses, Acts 17, 30, and 31.
2: While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day in which he will have the whole world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead.
1: So the apostle is saying that all men everywhere are going to have to repent. Not just casually feel bad that things didn't go well, but change their direction. Reversal. And again, remember last week we talked about Judgment Day. That's what Judgment Day is all about. It's a time where the world can reverse its course and become focused on godliness rather than worldliness. So repentance, when we have a strong relationship with somebody, is appropriate and should happen. But the problem is that when you have um, a situation like with this little girl Kylie, I mean you'd love to see repentance, but if it's not there, what do you do?
2: Good question
1: and 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 we'll we'll get to the answer what with what she did and what her mother did uh, later on in the program. Another scripture about this sense of turning things around in terms of repentance acts five thirty one
2: Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior. For to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins.
1: Alright, so to give repentance to Israel, a turning around and a forgiveness of sins. It gives you a sense, a deep sense of something changing very, very dramatically. And sometimes repentance plays a big part in forgiveness and sometimes it doesn't. But the question is, are you willing to have forgiveness even if there is not repentance? And again, Jonathan, what forgiveness is, is taking the experience and removing it from dominating your life. It doesn't mean that other person loses the experience and the consequences. It means that experience no longer dominates me. I can release it and they will have to d- deal with whatever consequences they, they come up against. And this is a hard thing for us to, um, to be able to manage Uh, In our lives. It's a very difficult thing. And again, when we go back to the maturing process, okay, the key words, you know, when we look at God's might and his immeasurable might and the deep provable love that he has for us, the principles are for us who are in a position to forgive, what do we have to do?
2: Determine to reflect God's might and his love.
1: So you got to decide, this is how I'm going to act. Yes. Even if I don't feel like it. And then for those of us who need to be forgiven, how do we take those principles of God's power and greatness and His uh, forgiving attitude? We
2: must accept the loving kindness of forgiveness because it's a God-honoring experience, Rick.
1: And that's the key. God's loving kindness and forgiveness, if we accept it when we need to be forgiven, that experience truly, absolutely honors God. And there's nothing better than that.
2: This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject is, Does God Really Forgive Me? Coming up, how does the sacrifice of Jesus help us to forgive in the smaller areas of life? That's next.
0: listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan.
2: Welcome back. Our subject for today, Does God Really Forgive Me? We're live Monday evening from 8 to 10 Eastern, and that means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985 for all. Or you can message us on your app. And the conversation continues online at ChristianQuestions.com. Contact us there with your questions or comments. Also, interact with us on our Facebook. And you can tweet us at CQ Net Radio. And we're now on Instagram.
1: All right. So, it, forgiveness is such a hard thing because it's personal. Because if we are hurt by someone... To be able to rise above that and say, you are forgiven, even if they are not asking for forgiveness, that's a a big, big step. But that's a very Christian step as far as following the example of God's very own character. And so as we look at trying to grow up, trying to mature into forgiveness, we have to keep looking back at God's character and God's example and say, how does this change me. So we're looking at Psalm 103 uh, and looking at different principles there. We're now up to verse 12.
2: As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Wow. Yeah, that's
1: that's pretty far. That's
2: comforting. (laughs)
1: It is. It is. Talk about emotional comfort food. That's that's it right there. So that gives you a sense of the magnitude of of God's forgiveness. So what can we take from God's way of forgiving that we can look at and say, okay, how do I apply this to me?
2: God, by nature, always had the intention and plan for sin and transgression to run their course and has granted us an understanding of his plan in the offering of his son as our ransomed sacrifice.
1: So it's interesting because in our program last week, I keep referring back to that, the Day of Judgment, we were talking about remember the day of wrath and God's yes. anger. Well, that certainly doesn't seem like God has re- removed our sins as far as the east from the west, does it?
2: <laughs> it doesn't.
1: <laughs> no, the great time, the time of trouble, and that never was since there was a nation. This is not God happy. This is God saying enough is enough. But the point is we've been given the privilege of having the revealed scriptures tell us that this is only a temporary situation and God has already considered our sins removed because of the sacrifice of Jesus. So we take that principle of God removing our sins from Him, even though there's still the situation that we're in which is not good, and now how do we apply it to me if I need to learn to forgive somebody?
2: We who are in the position to forgive must internalize the power of Jesus' ransom as we deal with the imperfections of one another.
1: Everybody is imperfect, and if you don't take that, that power that Jesus' ransom gives and internalize it, then you'll start looking at the imperfections primarily instead of, uh, instead of a godly per- per- perspective, which has says, as far as the East is from the West, that's how far you remove your sins because of Jesus' sacrifice. Wow. So we have to internalize it. If we are in a position that we need to forgive, you've got to internalize it. Now remember in the last segment we were talking about determining that you are going to reflect his might and his power and his love. And now you've got to say, okay, that's what I'm determined to do it and this is, I'm going to make it my own. Those of us who need forgiving, what about us?
2: We who are in a position to be forgiven must apply the grace of Jesus' ranf- sacrifice With a deep, personal humility.
1: And that's where true repentance comes into play. Yes. Not the afterthought of, yeah, I kind of regret what I did, but true, deep, life-changing, altering repentance, applying the, the, the Jesus ransom to you and saying, I really did mess up here. What can I do to make it? Right folks if you have a thought it's 866-985-4255 toll free 866-985 all we are live Monday evenings from 8 to 10 Eastern and that means we're on right now Okay let's get let's move forward using the big picture because you know God in this verse says as far as the east is from the west that's how far as we moved our transgressions why is that why is it? it's because of Jesus and this gives us a tool to use in the littler things of life, let's get back to the basics of what this ransom is first peter two twenty one to twenty four
2: For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps.
1: Okay, so we are given an example to follow. see you can't it's really hard to try to to get your arms around following God because yes. you don't you, He's you, so big and right, beyond us. right, right. But we can follow the the example of Christ. And that is a tangible example that we can grab hold of and say, we see what he did as a man. I can work on following those steps.
2: Who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously.
1: So that's the example. While being reviled, he didn't get back at them. He didn't seek revenge. He died for them. (laughs) That's rising above the emotion. That's rising above the pain. That's rising above the turmoil. Now look, for us to be able to do that, not likely. But we can at least work on it because that's what Jesus did for us. And And
2: himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you are healed.
1: And that's really the key. By his wounds we are healed. That gives us strength and power to to go on. You know, Jonathan, we've been been going through this and looking at God um, as, as our primary example of how to take the principles and apply them in forgiveness. And God is love. And yes, forgive, is. forgiveness is a result of love, God's were, love, Yes. applied yes. in our lives. How do you do that? One step at a time. You learn to mature into the process. And, and folks, look, if you don't get CQ Rewind, the full edition, you really need to subscribe because a program like this, we're laying out this process that the scriptures are giving us. And it shows you step by step... The, the, the what to do to grow up into becoming a forgiving person and to being able to accept forgiveness for that which you, you might have done. So that's a really important tool uh, to be able to use in our every, everyday life. Seeker Rewind, the full edition, is available through your app. It's available at uh, ChristianQuestions.com and most importantly, it is a free service. So, Jonathan, let's sum up the example of Jesus that we've just been talking about in these first Peter scriptures.
2: The love without thought. Of it being returned.
1: Now, when, when you say that, Jonathan, wh- wh- what, is, what does that mean? To, how, when, when you look at that, what, what does it make you... That is
2: selfless. That is so selfless, giving and not expecting anything back.
1: And that, I love that. And, and that rises above the immediate feeling of the circumstances. It does. W- what else?
2: To give without reciprocation.
1: All right, so it's not just to love but it's to give without something coming back to you. What else?
2: To suffer without retaliation. Wow. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, and that becomes... With what he went
2: through. Right. What an example.
1: And there are times where we in our lives can actually learn to do that. And when you learn to do that, you now rise to living in an entirely different way than you ever would have lived before. And that is saying something because very few people ever get to live a privileged life like that. Now now think about this before we go to the next, next, next point, because the next point is really important. But I'm calling that a privileged life. Well, how do you get into that privileged life? You are wronged by somebody, terribly, awfully wronged. And you are able to rise above it and forgive, not saying they don't experience justice, but saying, that experience, as traumatic as it was to me in my life, to my family and so forth, it no longer has an effect. I can put it away. I can forgive that person as they go through their experience of trying to grow through what they did. But I don't have to, to, to have that experience dominate my every day. That's a privileged life that comes through hard, hard uh, experiences. How do you do that? Well, what did Jesus do? This last point, Jonathan, is really, really key. To
2: to rely entirely on the righteous judge, his heavenly father.
1: And so that's the secret. The secret was Jesus. Look, if, if God was not the righteous judge, and Jesus was being mishandled and mistreated and all of that, you've got nothing to back you up. But because of the utter, complete, and total righteousness of God... Whatever Jesus did, he knew God was behind it, and it would all work out in a perfectly just and merciful way in the end. And so he gladly experienced it. That is, that is, just, that is unfathomable when you think about the gladness of such, of such a sacrifice.
2: Rick, if this doesn't humble us, we have no conscience.
1: <laughs> you know, and, and the point is we're trying to grow up here. We're trying to grow up into being forgiving. We're trying to internalize the power of Jesus' ransom by looking at it this way. And if we need forgiveness, we're trying to apply the grace of Jesus' ransom by realizing these things. Our ability to forgive one another really depends on how we see one another. And see, that's why Jesus was so successful. Because he saw all of the world as God's lost children. And he took that those lost children... And he redeemed them. So he saw them as as beautiful, even though they were all broken and angry and, and unjust and sinful. Let's go back to another experience of the beauty of forgiveness. This is Kylie. Now, this is several years after, because she was three when she was shot. This is in the courtroom. This is her statement to the individual who shot her. Now she must be maybe five or six or seven years old at this point. So listen to this. It's a little bit hard to understand but let's listen.
3: But like Mark, she found it in her heart to forgive and she did it the night Kai was shot. I made that decision before I even reached the hospital. I don't know why but I did. I believed that she would live and not die if I forgave. If we forgave Kai's victim impact statement would be a reflection of that decision. i
0: forgiven, and you the but don't well. so
3: forgive The courtroom scene. Oh, that was a heavy day that day. He probably thought that I'd be, like, really angry, me and my family would be angry at him. I guess he was, like, really shocked, because he probably thought, oh, I'll just do
1: the time in prison, and then I'll get out, but... He like probably took that to and said, "Just like I'm being given another chance. And you know, that's the power uh, in, that, in that story is this little girl followed her mother's example of complete forgiveness. Now look, the guy went to prison. He served his time. But her courtroom statement as a little girl was that she forgave him. And you wonder what effect that would have had on him. Maybe, you know, maybe it didn't have a lot, but maybe it did. The fact is that it released her from the anger. It released her mother from the anger. And they could live in such a way that um, there was a real clear-cut um, pathway to the maturity of forgiveness in their lives. L- let's go to Philippians chapter 2, verses 2 through 8. We're going we're gonna to break this up into pieces here.
2: Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing for selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others.
1: So regarding one another as more important than yourselves and, and being humble is a great recipe to look to internalize the power of Jesus' ransom and, if you need forgiving, to apply the grace of Jesus' ransom. Let's continue.
2: Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, He humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross.
1: So that was the example of Jesus. He humbled himself in a way that no being had ever humbled themselves before. And he took on the form, the human form, and and became faithful as a result. Now, a key point here, Jonathan, in terms of, of forgiving and the unforgiving attitude, what is it?
2: If we hold on to an unforgiving attitude, it will affect us physically and emotionally as our thinking and our life will be continually influenced by its clear and powerful influence. Because we are affected physically and emotionally, we will be affected spiritually. And that will directly detract from our ability to follow Christ.
1: So, holding on to a lack of forgiveness in our lives is a very difficult situation, and it has recurring effects that sometimes don't even go away. And it can really break us to pieces... Whereas if we take the forgiveness and apply it in our lives, instead of being broken in pieces, we can actually grow through something bigger and better. Quickly, let's go to Philippians uh, 121. For to me,
2: to live is Christ and to die is gain.
1: All right, so here we go with that, um, that attitude. L- to live is Christ and to die is game so let's go to the phones Jonathan I believe we have uh, Robert from California on the line good evening Robert welcome to Christian questions
6: oh Rick and Jonathan can you hear me okay
1: uh, yes I can go ahead sir
6: I'm out here in California in a beautiful evening riding my bicycle with my iPhone and earbuds in listening to Christian questions how cool is that
1: that is pretty cool I I got to admit <laughs> <laughs> So you might hear some
6: background noise. Okay. So I had I have some uh first of all I wanted to share a great definition of forgiveness. And by the way, I came into your program about halfway through, so I may have missed some things.
1: Okay, I'm but, gonna ask you to talk fast, Robert, because we don't have a lot of time in this segment.
6: Okay. So the, the definition of forgiveness that was really helpful to me was to give as you did before. In other words, before you were wronged, okay? I thought that was a great definition. So I'll share that with you. Now, my question is this. When you watch television and you see these people in court, for instance, offering to forgive a transgressor against them, maybe it was a murder of a family member or something heinous, do you think that is appropriate to do if the transgressor the perpetrator does not ask for that
1: forgiveness. All right, that's a good question. That's my question. All right, Robert, I'm going to have to let you go because we're nearly out of time on this segment. But thanks for calling; we appreciate it, and we'll 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 deal with that in the next segment. So I um so now what we have to do is take that question to heart and say, okay, that's an important question. How are we going to deal with that? What's it going to look like when we, what should we be doing when that kind of situation happens? And is it appropriate to forgive somebody when they're not asking for it, you know, and they've transgressed really, really dramatically? Well, lots to talk about in the next segment.
2: This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject, does God really forgive Coming up, what are the results of God's forgiveness of us and our forgiveness of each other? That's next.
0: You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan.
2: Welcome back. Our subject for today, Does God Really Forgive Me? We're live Monday evening from 8 to 10 Eastern, and that means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866985 for all, or you can message us on your app. And if you'd like to email us with any questions or topic suggestions, you can email us at Rick at com. So we're,
1: we're trying to put forgiveness in order, and you know, um, Robert from California asked a really important question at the end of the last segment: What if that person is not asking for forgiveness? Is it right? Is it appropriate to forgive them? And that's a good question. Because if they've done something terrible to you and to your family, th- why would you forgive them, especially if they don't ask for it?
2: So, but, Rick, if you hold on to that, it's going to bring you down. It's going to eat away at you.
1: And that, I think, is the, is the key to the answer. Remember that forgiving them does not release them from their consequence. It releases me from the consequence of what they did to me. And do you want to live captive? No way. Or do you want to live free? Because forgiveness is freedom. That really is is, is what it boils down to. Uh, Let's get to Psalm 103, verse 13 and 14.
2: Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who revere him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust.
1: And earlier in the program, there, there was a comment about you know, the, what we're talking about with, with God. It sounds like really good parenting.
2: Yeah, there yeah. it is.
1: Yeah, Well, right. Here, here's, the, here's the physical scriptural evidence. This is the principle of fatherhood that God is showing us. He's saying to us, this is how I feel about you, and by extension, you ought to treat your own kids this way. So, <laughs> so what can we learn from God's fathering of us through these difficult times when we need to be forgiven by God?
2: God, by nature, truly does know our weaknesses and our frailty. And the result of his knowledge of us is a fatherly embrace for any who seek him. And Rick, I was thinking of the weaknesses that we battle with, our environmental weaknesses, chemical, hereditary, emotional, all from our fallen condition.
1: And he knows everything. And imagine feeling that fatherly embrace from God our Father when we ask Him for forgiveness and Him saying, it's okay, my son or my daughter. Mm -hmm. I know you, I understand you, and I know you're frail, and it's okay. That just gives you a sense. And I remember that experience with my children many times when they needed to be reprimanded. Forgiveness and mercy didn't mean you didn't reprimand them. But what it meant was, at the end of it, you took them in your arms and you assured them that you loved them unconditionally, even though you just had to do what you just had to do. And it really puts things in a different perspective. So how do we apply that, that fatherly approach that God has, when we are trying to forgive someone else? We who are in a
2: position to forgive must practice that family-based approach to those who have wronged us as we accept that we as well as they are all faulty.
1: So we have to practice it. We have to put it into practice and realizing, look, I need God's fatherly embrace just like that person needs my brotherly embrace. I need it. They need it. We're all faulty. Let's, let's, let's get ourselves moving forward. So, so what about this, this parenting of God in relation to those of us who need to grow up, who need to mature into being able to accept forgiveness? We
2: who are in a position to be forgiven must embrace the embrace of
1: forgiveness. <laughs> you, have you ever seen where somebody you know is really, really um, discouraged or depressed, and someone g- comes up to give them a hug, and the person is giving them a hug, but they don't hug them back, and, yeah. and their arms hang kind of limp at their sides? Yep. What we're suggesting here is this principle is teaching us that when we are getting that embrace of forgiveness from someone who we have done wrong to, What we want to do is be able to hug them back, realizing that they are really important uh, to us as well. So, um, Jonathan, as we continue with this, as we continue looking forward um, to this, I I wanted to go to the phone, but I think I just lost the call. So, oops on my part. Um, I tried something different and it didn't work. So I apologize for that. Um, let me hang on one second. Let me see if I can get this call off a hold. I'm I'm learning as I go, Jonathan. So hang on. Your caller hung up. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. My caller hung up. So. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Jonathan, I apologize for that, uh, folks. If uh, it, uh, Julie, I think, was on the line from Chicago. If you can just give us a call back, we'll try that again. Um, God through Jesus. Um, provide satisfaction of justice, a life for a life, and he provided because of that. He provided real, true, honest-to-goodness forgiveness. Luke four sixteen to twenty-one.
2: And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and it was his custom. He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind to set
1: free those who are oppressed. So what you have is the idea that Jesus opened the door. Jesus gave us a sense of the ability for real, true freedom. And remember, this idea of freedom um, is not just sending sin away this is being pardoned so you walk as a free individual and the consequences of adamic sin are just taken off of your back you no longer carry them well rick how many of mankind in history were oppressed Uh, everybody (laughs) (laughs) all of them (laughs) all of them (laughs) everyone everyone and so how many are captives to sin you know how many have to you have their sight recovered? How many have to see it uh, freely and and openly? This is what we um are looking for. Jonathan, we're going to go to the phones at this point. Uh, I think we have Julie from Chicago on the line. Good evening, Julie, and welcome to Christian Questions.
5: And Rick, I forgive you for hanging up on me.
1: <laughs> I didn't mean it.
5: <laughs> Hi Rick and Jonathan. Real quick, I uh, heard an expression this week that I thought was really appropriate for this program. Ready? Yes. Okay. When someone hands you a cactus, it doesn't mean you have to sit on it. In other words, people are going to hurt you intentionally or unintentionally, but I have to control how I react. And if I forgive them, I can move on. And there may be 10 cacti sitting in my house, but they can be there without hurting me. And if I look closely enough, there might be a flower on one of them where I can see some blessing or character growth through that experience. And it's hard to do this because it's about emotions and it's hard to redirect those. But that's the visual I'm going to be using. I don't just sit on these cactuses and I need to make sure I'm not handing out any cactuses to the people around me.
1: Boy, that's a good one. <laughs> when somebody hands you a cactus, doesn't mean you have to sit on it. <laughs>
5: don't sit on it (laughs) but it can can
1: adorn your house (laughs) all right julie thanks so much appreciate it
5: thank you have a good evening
1: yeah you too so um jonathan as we move forward through this uh, what we want to do is is take take a saying like that and put things in perspective people hand us things that that are just not good it doesn't mean we have to to take them to heart and that forgiving attitude really does come into play in those situations. So so Jonathan here, you know, as as we we need to go to another soundbite from uh, Fox 25 Morning News Boston about Kylie. Now we heard her her mom say she was very forgiving right up front. We heard Kylie's own words about her forgiveness. And now Kylie's mom in this last soundbite is going to give us a sense of the power of releasing that That happens when you actually, truly forgive. This is profound. It transformed our
3: lives in one millisecond. And I wanted him to realize that, you know, this forgiveness that you received, take it even one step further and forgive yourself so that you can be effective and telling this story to others, and it will change their lives, because it's like a domino effect. The power of forgiveness is, when you release the unforgiveness, the healing begins.
1: And really, that's, that's such a powerful thing. When you release the unforgiveness, that's when the healing begins. And Jonathan, that's really, again, going back to Robert Long's question, going back to your question about can you forgive somebody who you don't even trust? The answer is yes, but you're not releasing them from their consequences. When you stop being unforgiving, you can start healing. And by doing so, you can live a fulfilled life in spite of the difficulty, the trauma that you may have experienced. So great, great sound bites. Really appreciate Julie's uh, thoughts as well in that call. Uh, Several short scriptures here, Jonathan, about forgiveness releasing us from damaging emotions. That's what Kylie's mom was talking about in that last soundbite.
2: Proverbs 14.29 says, He that is slow to anger is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly.
1: Okay, so slow to anger equals great of understanding. That's a powerful way to look at things. What else? Ecclesiastes
2: 7.9 Be not hasty in the spirit to be angry, but anger
1: resteth in the bosom of fools. Okay, so being hasty, not a good thing. Anger just sets, takes, takes, uh, takes root and lives in your heart. Not a good place for it. Proverbs 19.11 The discretion of a man
2: maketh him slow to anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression.
1: Having discretion... Helps to get rid of transgression. <laughs> you know, it really is a, 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 a simple, almost catchy kind of phrase. Discretion. That means using God's thinking in your life, not just being you know haphazard about things.
2: Go ahead. Rick, these damaging emotions, if we don't forgive, I mean, they'll just build in our bodies. Some of them are worry, anxiety, depression. And sometimes even depression leads to suicide. Yeah, a need to let go.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and you know that is such a dramatically sad end result to hanging on to things. You know, whether it be having things you know done wrong to you or your own self image or whatever it might be. That, that's just such a, a, a traumatic, uh, awful place to end up. Uh, Jonathan just got a, a comment from the app. It was from Robert. He, he wanted to clarify his question. He says, "Even if one forgives the wrongdoer, should he or she tell them if they didn't ask for it? Since the Christian has to ask God for forgiveness." So, you know, that's that's an that's an interesting thing. He's he's not letting us off the hook easily on that one. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I think that what's been displayed here is by telling them, are you making their life any easier? Really, you're not. You are opening a door where they can grow into walking through, but you haven't released them from any of the difficulties that they have to experience. As a matter of fact, if they are going to continue in their bitterness, think about the idea of somebody doing something heinous to, to another individual and, and maybe spending several years in prison. Going to prison and having been forgiven publicly by that individual, so there you are sitting in prison, and that and, and in your mind is echoing those words, "I forgive you," and you're angry and you're mad. Are those words going to like say, "Oh, well, at least I'm forgiven. I don't have to do anything. You know, I'm, I'm good." You're in prison. <laughs> you're not. So it gives that person the opportunity to say, to either sulk and be angry further, or to say that person rose above what I did. They're telling me that I too can rise above what I did. Maybe I should start. So I think telling them without asking, without them asking, I think it is appropriate if you find that you are mature enough in that, in that approach to be able to do it because it gives them an opportunity they would have never had before. Forgiveness transforms us from being mere sinful men to being sons of God. And that's a big deal. Matthew uh, 5, 43 to 45.
2: You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous.
1: So there's a great example of of, of living that same principle we just talked about. And Jonathan, finally, as we're running out of time here, forgiveness is a linchpin of the entire plan of God. It's not a linchpin of little details of the plan here or there. I mean, this is one of the driving forces in God's entire plan of redemption for all of mankind. Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 34.
2: Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in that day, I took them by the hand to bring them up out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord.
1: Okay, pause there for a second, Jonathan, just because, you know, what's happening here is in this prophecy there's a comparison. There's a comparison between the law covenant that God gave to Israel originally after releasing them from the land of Egypt. He gave them principles to abide by. He gave them a chance to see God's justice and mercy in action on a regular daily basis. And they broke that covenant. They broke that promise. They didn't hold on to it. Now God could have said, okay, enough of you. You're done forever. But that's not God's way. That's not his predetermined approach to these things. God is bigger than that, he's better than that, he's stronger than that, he's more well-planned out than that. So here's the rest of that prophecy. Here's the the comparison now.
2: I will put my law within them and on their heart. I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They will not teach again each man his neighbor, and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord? For they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no
1: more. That's a pretty powerful end statement, isn't it? What a plan. It is. It's an incredible plan, and it's an incredible execution of the plan to allow sin to run its course, to give us the experience of wronging each other and then figuring out, well, what am I supposed to do with this wronging of one another and learning the principles of forgiveness. And again, I know we sound like broken records, but the idea of forgiveness is you don't release somebody from the consequences of what they've done. You release yourself from the consequences of what was done to you. And now you can live in peace. And so, Jonathan, it's a matter of maturing. It's a matter of the process of growing up into forgiveness. And just real quickly before we end, what are the, what's the key word for those of us who are supposed to be forgiving? What do we have to do in this last piece of, of, of growing up, maturity? Practice. Practice what? That
2: family-based approach that God has over us.
1: Okay, so we have to put into practice what God has shown to us. And what do those who, who need forgiving, what do we have to do?
2: Embrace. Embrace the embrace of forgiveness.
1: And that is a powerful picture. To be able to put your arms around the person forgiving you instead of standing there and saying, I have done such wrong, it's not possible. No, all things are possible with God. All things are possible as we look at God's plan unfold and we realize that the principles that He is are principles that we can live by and we can become And these principles of forgiveness are powerful, powerful tools to give us a life that is fulfilled in graciousness, in mercy, and in justice by God's grace. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, we hope you've enjoyed being with us this evening. We will be back again next week with another subject. But till then, does God really forgive me? Yeah, he does. Do you really forgive others? Are you really forgiven by others? Those are the things we need to work on. Till next week, think about it.